Today with me, I have Mohammed Kamara, and he is here to talk about disparities in healthcare when it comes to people of color and communities of color. And it's really important to talk about healthcare during COVID-19 because we are seeing huge disparities. Welcome, Mohammed. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me here, Michelle. So can you tell us why you started your company? And, and what really led you to go and switch directions of where you were going in your career in education to start a telehealth company? Sure. So my sister passed away giving birth. So during childbearing, she was expecting a, a daughter and she passed. And that led me to take a little step back in my career. I was in healthcare finance and valuation. And then um, be able to provide telehealth services to populations that are look like me. Um, so my sister passed and I suddenly became a caregiver to three of her children that she left behind. So my sophomore year, I was an early father, um, really sending money back home um, and taking care of their needs. And that has really helped us to focus on how can we increase access to care in communities of color? And in additionally, how can we use AI to impact um, racial disparities in, in, in healthcare. Now, as you talk about telehealth and racial disparities, I want you to first tell me, where are you from? Because I, I detect a different accent than the accent I have. Sure, so I'm originally from Sierra Leone. I left my country because of the Civil War back in 2001, um, 1999 to be exact. Well, when I left January 6th, it was the war happened in Sierra Leone. So I left and traveled to um, Guinea um, and lived there for almost a year, almost, almost a year, lived in Senegal, then London, England, six months, and then finally to the States. So that's how I got find myself back to Columbus, Ohio. Okay. So now you're here in the U.S., you're in college, and you're far away from home when you lose your sister. What, what is that like? Because a lot of us we may not be close to our family, but to be hundreds or thousands of miles away, how did you first cope with that? I think it's it, it's much more taking a step back and and then react because it it has to happen really quickly. Um, when when our parents give birth to us, usually in the African community you are your parents' insurance, um, literally. Um, we don't have li life insurance, so we're our parents' insurance. And, and so what that means is, as soon as a death happens, you've got to think, okay, what resources do I have? That is financial resources, and as well as emotional resources that I can send back home, first for the burial um, to happen. Second, how do I plan to take care of whatever else she left behind? She left behind. In that case, my, my, my sister left behind three children. Um, so those were things that happened very quickly in my mind. Um, but beforehand, I was already sending money back home to my mom and um, to take care of herself. So I just, it just the responsibility just increased. That's all. Okay. So your sister has passed on, and 
and you're sending money home, what are your next steps? Like, how do you get from losing her to having a telehealth company? What is, tell us what happens in between. Sure, sure. So what happens in between is I, as soon as that happened, and I had the opportunity to travel to um, Dominican Republic, um, Dominican Republic was a time I took my, I spent my birthday, so I took some time off of work and I spent about a week in Dominican Republic working with Project Hope. Um, and while I was there, we're providing care to women with Zika virus. And so we went to a clinic in the rural area of DR and driving about four hours um, out there to provide care. Um, so I was in a, I was in a uh, pickup truck. Um, had medical equipment in those pickup trucks, driving all the way for hours, unloading that. They have a, a community center in the in the rural area where we went, but they also had a classroom. So we went into the community itself to provide this care. Um, and that's how it, it, the journey began. Start researching what is the gap in healthcare that exists? Why do healthcare board certified um, physicians and other medical professionals go overseas to provide care, but there's not a continuity of care. So I asked the question is, how can we continue that care, right? Telehealth was one, was one option. Um, and then it's like, how do we affect not only those people of color in, that, in, this, in the US, but as well as international. So how do you bridge the gap? Um, telehealth was a very big step to that. Okay. So you, you leave DR, you come back to the US. What are your next steps? My next steps were, um, I was in Georgia then, so I left Georgia to come to DC because it was about building team um, and ecosystem. And you can't do anything alone that I believe in. If you're gonna do anything successfully, you need a team. Um, so, so to be a good steward of the resources that, you, that you've been blessed with, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna take that leap, took the leap, come to DC and Started, started um, the building phase. I got into an accelerator program, um, then started doing customer discovery interviews. I, I met somebody who, is, um, um, who was running, a, who, who, who was responsible of running that, a comprehensive healthcare clinic in DC. So that was our first test flight um, into launching that technology. And those type of patients were patients that were affected by the opioid epidemic. Um, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the opioid epidemic. Yes. Um, and that itself, it is the type of treatments that were provided to communities of color in the opioid epidemic was some, some point, uh, especially back in, in, in the olden days, you were sent to incarceration, right? To, yes. to jail, um, because you're an addict, as opposed to now where, when it became in heat, communities, um, um, other communities that are non-color, they began to increase treatment centers. That's what they should have done in the first place for communities of color as well, because we do need that, that help. Um, and so that's, that's how that, that ripple effect, and we start fi finding out that there's challenging, there's challenges that come with access to, access to care in those communities. Transportation is a big problem. Mom and, mom and daughter, mom and daughter has, mom has, has two daughters and she has to worry about daycare, and she has to worry about how can I get to care too, and so there were a lot of cancellation of appointments. So we're like, okay, why don't we launch this telehealth um, web, web, web app to be able to address some of those issues, the gap in access to care. So as so now you're, you are testing out the telehealth. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing as far as the changes now in 
the number of cancellations or the, the, the changes in the number of patients who are being treated once you've implemented telehealth? So we, we, we did it after, after we, we, um, we launched the, the, the telehealth, we saw about 2,500 patients. And some of those patients, um, we also interviewed, got a chance to interview them as well. Um, one of the things that we learned from the interview is they were super, super busy. Um, some of the ways that they, some of the challenges that they have into health, the barrier to health is some of them smoke. So we have smokers, but we have challenges is they don't have time. Um, they, they, don't, they, they don't have time to be able to come to an in-person um, visit um, to see a doctor. They also, they also spend most of the time, the, the, uh, most of the time to get healthy by chasing around their kids, right? So you have to be very creative in, in bringing wellness to them where it involves an entire family. So how do you plan for that? Um, so we build that technology with, them, with those answers in mind that it's not only access to care, right? Video text consult, but it's also, do you, do they, they, they need a community to keep them accountable because that's what, I, that's what we we're hearing. So we created a, a piece that here you can count your steps with others and stay healthy and then be rewarded for those steps, right? So it becomes yeah. an accountability piece. So we, kept, we, hear, we heard that. And then the second piece was, how do we then create a technology that's embedded within the same platform to be able to correct BMI? Okay. Um, and, and that corrected BMI is really taking a 10 second video of yourself. Um, and then instead of me as an African-American that was an athlete, ex-collegiate athlete, I was told always that um, I'm overweight. But compared to my counterparts that are, that are um, Caucasian because of my body mass. However, this technology, because it's powered by NASA, it's corrected that. So we have a corrected BMI and virtual assessment, right? So they're all the health risk. So this is, this is a technology that's noble. Um, that's exciting and actually tackle and address racial disparity. I love it. Love it. Correcting what is a standard for all, which was never a standard for all. There are, yep. we're, we're definitely very different. What I, I love about what, what you're doing is gamification and how, and actually creating with the demographic that you serve ways to serve them that is inclusive to them. So, oh, well, you're always chasing your children, you're always doing this, how do we make it fit into your life as opposed to us trying to get you to fit into this technology? So that's, that so is- One of the good thing is in the tech, is it, it, we call it health tribe. Um, so that means mom, dad, sister, coworkers, all can be part of that, tri- that tribe. Um, so you guys are really belonging now, right? And then it's like, okay, hey, my health tribe. And then I, I was like, I'm a caregiver, right? To my, my sister's siblings. And that, that aspect was included as well. So if you're a caregiver of your 80-year-old um, grandmother, you can, or mom, right? You can actually yeah. be put, that, that mom is part of your health tribe as well. You can keep, keep their health records in. Um, so it's like healthcare in one hand, pretty much. Got you, okay. That is, that is absolutely fantastic. So it's community, like you say, tribe. It takes a village. It's village healthcare. That's why I was trying to get to that word. It was village healthcare. And I absolutely agree. You always see the, the groups of women work, walking together or the groups of men talking together. Like, how do you get them active as a community, as a group, as a village? So I'm, I'm really excited about that aspect. Now, 
So now we're in the midst of COVID-19 and you are very knowledgeable and experienced in the disparities with people of color when it comes to healthcare. What are you seeing being done right for treatment or accessibility? And where, are, where does there need to be some improvement in how uh, people of color doing COVID-19 should, should be treated? Sure, so we already know that there, ex there, there are gaps in healthcare that exist pre-COVID-19. We know yeah. that the system didn't address it yet. So COVID-19 just amplified that. Just like in, in telehealth, it just amplified the importance of it. Um, and some of the system, the things that exist is access to care, lack of proper nutrition, um, um, food, um, food insecurity exists, right? Healthcare, a lack of access to healthcare exists. So those things already exist, regardless of predisposal, right? Meaning that regardless of the patient, what their conditions were, those already exist. If the, if the patients have good access to healthy food, they will eat well. Um, if they have good access to a hospital, they will likely go to seek care. And they have trusted physicians that actually are advocates for them. They'll go and seek care. But if they don't have that, now a virus happens. And this virus, it's a new, it's a new strand that we are aware of, right? It's a new strand. And we're trying to figure out how do we then contain it? Um, if you already have disparities, lack of access to care, lack of um, food, in, we have food insecurity, we don't have good, we don't have good housing. There's a, there's usually a lack of shelter. So those conditions already exist. And with the with the virus, the virus is is human to human touch, right? Droplet, right? Um, droplet, you can get you can get it. And this human human touch. It happens to so, so, so our brothers and sisters that are, may not have the perfect conditions to have access, um, access to um, affordable housing. Um, they are then going to be able to get, get the virus um, and then take them to shelters, right? Take those, the virus to shelters and spread it. It becomes a ripple effect. Um, and that's, that's some of the same things we're seeing in New York. Um, and so we have here, even... I spoke to a clinician of ours, um, Dr. Christian. She, she's, a, she's a family physician and she takes care of um, the underserved. So communities of color and others, football, um, the underserved. And she in, in, in turn uh, um, had to switch her practice from a traditional practice of seeing in person to telehealth very quickly. I was, I was on the phone with her uh, when this was happening, switching our patient to telehealth. Um, so, so you can see more of, a, more of a patient virtually. But these are the things that we're noticing that we need more access to care. Um, we need better way to take care of our communities that is innovative. But um, it's the, 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 the virus just amplified that there's a true need and a lack of access to care and food insecurity and affordable housing that is still affecting our communities. Yes, it's, it's interesting, not interesting, but you talked about food deserts and our, our lack of access to food and, and what that looks like. And everybody, I'm in rural South Carolina right now, truly thinks that food deserts or lack of access to food is only an urban 
issue and it's not it is very very popular also in um rural areas having access so as well as um housing right housing that anybody would want to live in but actually have access to decent housing is very important now i want to go into and and if i may add um yes. so that those those things we call in healthcare social determinants of health right those are the things that uh, are that besides just taking care of your well-being those are the other factors that influence health um and even as of last week um two days ago i had a i had a um a friend who texted me she sent me an email texted me as well and called me twice that hey I'm, my sister is in our sister lives in georgia my sister is in georgia right and she's been affected by COVID-19. So she's a COVID-19 patient. She needs access to care. So this is, and we, and I literally had to do the manual way, right? Hey, go on our platform, figuring out this. But I had to actually call in um, Dr. Christian to give me recommendation on very good providers or in health that, that are in Atlanta, right? And so now she's, she has a primary care physicians um, that's taking care of her. But those, that's the reality that you can have, you can have a COVID-19 patient like that and don't have a, and she, she didn't have insurance. Um, so it's like, how do we then increase, um, get her the care that she, she needed very quickly, rapidly. And that's, that's where I was going. So right now we're in the midst of COVID-19. Have you seen more practices reaching out to you saying, hey, we need to be able to help our patients. We need to be able to help people impacted who are not our patients with or without insurance. How do we work with you? What, what do you tell them? Yep. So that's, I get those calls daily now. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a blessing in disguise, but literally um, I had a call like that. I, I, as I, I explained, I was like, Hey, I'm going to walk with you guys regardless. So I, I call the clinicians, go on the app, find out, find out this clinician is available in the area, book an appointment with them. Um, we had a, we have a doc, we have doctors in an hour from now. I'm, um, there's a, there's a physician that are retired physicians, um, but they're, they also wanted to still make an impact in the community. Um, they live in Virginia. So they called me um, last week and said, hey, how do, we get, um, you know, how do we get access to telehealth and be able to see more of our patients out of retirement, right? Um, and so I'm having a conversation with them and showing them how the platform works, how I can onboard them, right? So this is what COVID-19 is showing, that people want to make a difference. No matter if they're retired, um, they want to come out of retirement to really make a change. And I'm just here as a vehicle and a tool to be able to support them. I absolutely love it. I love the ability for people, us to be able to, to or you to be able to provide and um, provide services and be the bridge between healthcare providers and patients who actually need it, especially right now during COVID-19. Now, and if, and if I may just highlight that the Virginia, that then the, um, that's a physician, that's an infectious disease physician and an OB-GYN, and they're not, they're, not, they're, of, um, they're Caucasian as well. So it's not just communities of color that are feeling the pinch. Um, other communities as well, they're feeling the pinch. So, so that was going to, you know, you're bridging the gap. So now are you seeing even more physicians who do not serve communities, underserved communities coming to you and, be, and needing to be able to, to provide services to their, their patients? I'm, I'm seeing more of it. Um, cause I, I think we have, we have two things that happen in healthcare. One, 
is physicians that have compassion for communities of color. And then we have advocates as well, right? Yes. So you can be non-color um, and then be an advocate and truly walk in those environments. And I'm, I mean, I, I have access to those, those type of clinicians. Um, and those clinicians are also wonderful as well because they're, when, they're, when, when we're not at the table, they're at the table to be our voice, right? Advocate. Um, not influence, but advocate. Because the advocate means actually they want to do the fight with us. Um, so they're, 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 they're coming to me, pediatricians, um, infectious disease physicians, ob Joins, they're coming to me to, to be able to get them on the platform. So I'm seeing an increase of that as well. So not only serving our communities, communities of color, but they're also serving their communities as well. So it's a dip and deep. Great. Okay. So let's talk more about, we, we talked about the platform, the app, onboarding people. Let's talk about the artificial intelligence, the AI behind this. Mm -hmm. what, does the, what does the AI do? So really, it's really cool. I think it's an exciting technology because in 10 second, literally a 10 second video view, you can get a virtual assessment. And part of that virtual assessment includes your BMI, your, your health risk, and it's corrected BMI. So it's a technology that's powered by NASA. Um, it has NASA algorithm and a machine learning that really in those 10 second upload here and then speed back a virtual assessment of you, of what you truly are, um, regardless of if you are a male or female with body mass, you're not overweight. It's actually you're corrected what your virtual assessment truly should be, not just because based on um, other, other factors that are traditional factors. Um, so that get, that's an exci exciting piece. And I think we recently learned um, in Brooklyn um, and that United Healthcare got in trouble because of the AI um, that proposed, supposedly that, that, that was showing racial disparities, right? Um, and they're in trouble for that and trying to clean up that mess, um, keeping, keeping minorities of colors from getting the care that they need. Yeah, if, if the bias is built in from the beginning, it spreads all through whatever is being, um, it is being utilized for. So you have to go in, and, and that's a, a huge talk um, discussion going on, whether it's biases against women and or people of color that's built in. And the feedback is, well, we had women on the team is like, if you thought to be inclusive of whoever's on the team, you would go out and at least start talking to people to understand those different um, intersectionalities of how to do it. And, and even LGBTQ is getting left out right now when it comes to COVID-19, so. And, and, and Michelle, you gotta take it further than that, right? It's not just being, having a sit on the table or being left out. It's about the person, the developers, the programmers, right? The yep. product managers, because they have the hindsight to create. And when they create, if they, they only create because of the, what looks like them, um, yeah. the, uh, the sample size that they, that, they, that they have that is mainly sample size from certain, only a certain segment of certain communities, then it's going to influence how the, how the technology responds, right? Exactly. Like you have to create a large sample size that, that's more inclusive in nature. Yeah. Um, and, and generally, a lot of places go, well, we want to target the largest population. And sometimes it's, that's not the best way to go depending on how, who has the most needs and who's gonna buy first. One, one of the other things is in health tech devices sometimes, they will make things for, let's say the male heart first. So if a woman has the same condition, 
she cannot get the same treatment because the device is too large because usually women's hearts are smaller than men's hearts. So you see it over and over again. It's like, oh, well, it's a male condition, but women have it too. So it, it definitely, like you said, it, it's more forethought about who's being served. Now, let's, let's talk about um, COVID-19 five years from now. At five years after COVID-19, where do you foresee telehealth and your, your company being five years COVID-19? And also what policy changes do you see in healthcare? Um, so that's a great question. And there are, we, we, we have experts there. So my background is I'm an economist, right? So there are experts that, that have put out data out there that they, we're in four or five phases of, of the current um, COVID-19. Phase one is the phase one is we identify it exists. Phase two is containment, and phase three is um, developing some solution around the vaccine, for example, and the widespread of it, right? Um, forcing it into certain communities. Hopefully, it's not. It's just everybody's gonna be able to try it out, not just certain communities. Um, so that's those are the phases of how we see this COVID nineteen taking place. The only, the only thing, the, the, only, the other thing is, just like a, a cold, um, um, a flu, it's, it's seasonal, right? So it may come back too. So we have to keep that in mind. Um, and this kind of lead to, hey, we've, because of COVID-19, we've seen why it's so increasingly important to pay attention to healthcare workers and support them, right? And as well, how do you support them? You support them to having them at the table, creating technology that help them. So my goal, I'm just a, a partner. With InnovCare, we're a partner to providers. We're a partner to patients. And we're making sure that what true healthcare is, true healthcare is a relationship, it's relationship medicine, right? That's true healthcare. It's between the patient and the, and the, and the provider. We're just connecting the dot for them. So fast forward from now is we need to have policies in place. And now because of COVID-19, some of the policies have kind of been um, trailed down a bit around reimbursement, um, um, around credentialing. When I say credentialing, that means can a provider be able to see someone that is in Ohio, even though they may not have a Ohio license, right? Yeah. Um, those, those things need to continue to be in place post-COVID-19. And reimbursement is... I am going as a clinician, if I'm a doctor, I'm seeing you virtually and we're having a conversation just as right now. I'm going to be paid the same amount as I will be paid in person, right? Um, usually that is, not, that is not the case in telehealth. So we, those policies need to be in place and change to be effective four or five years from now. Um, telehealth has exist, but now we're seeing the increase in points for it. Yes, I absolutely agree. Definitely, definitely have to have some policy changes um, because if you have states that have uh, fewer doctors than others, but they, but they can't service them, even in telehealth, you have it close to disparity. You still have huge disparity. So yeah, so licensing is definitely, definitely a, a big issue if we can't at least, at least can we do neighboring states? <laughs> Something exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that, to help, uh, help along that process. How can people find you 
who want to either find a clinician in their area or maybe their clinician looking to provide their services during COVID-19 or post COVID-19? So we are on the Android app and we're also on, I, we're releasing our iOS version as well. So we're gonna be on iOS too. So we can be found on the app store. Um, you can reach out to me directly, um, contact us at innovcares.com. That's our email. Um, and we also host a podcast too, the Empowered Patient Podcast, which is released on a weekly basis. Um, and we bring in clinicians that are experts in different fields and different specialties and talk with them and also technologists as well, and entrepreneurs. So it's really a safe environment to be able to learn um, things about healthcare you know, that affect you on a daily basis. We talked recently to a clinician who is an NP and is affected by COVID-19. And we're noticing that because of COVID-19, there's an increased demand in access for, for care, right? So the old patients that already have chronic diseases, they're not even coming into to the office. Or they, they, it's like those clinicians have to take care of those patients. They also have to take care of COVID-19 patients. And so there's an overburden of them. Um, so that's the reason why it's, it's so, so important. And for us, really, is for us to bridge that gap and provide care um, via t uh, our tech. Um, so we can be found. And, and um, third, another, another source of founders is um, in August of this year, um, July, August, there'll be a release of the book um, called The Empowered Patients, um, which, is, which is the name of the podcast, The Empowered, the Empowered Podcast, um, The Empowered Patient Podcast. So the book will be released and we will, the book really just tells you about things so you, can, you can do as far as wellness is concerned um, and also um, bringing in the conversation that we, that we um, some of the patients that we saw um, that were affected by the opioid epidemic, bringing in those, those patients' experience so that you can actually relate. Um, to them and um, feel inspired. So that book is coming out here in July. So just to get this straight, you can go to the website, you can go to the app store, you can go to podcasts. And if you want some great reading, August, you will have the book too. Yep. But, okay, so, oh yeah, I'm a guess you're on social media too. Oh yeah, yeah, we are. So we are on, um, at, um, so I-N-O-V-C-A-R-E-S, Enough Cares. Um, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, and um, IG. So any social media platform, we're there. We're, for as far as um, the, 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 the podcast is concerned, we're in eight platforms, podcast platforms. And also you can listen to the podcast on our website too. So we have a section there. We have blog blog section too that you can be able to look, look at resources that pretend to you about wellness. Well, Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us. We, as a world, right, is not a country, is not a state or a city, as the world are all going through this together as we all combat COVID-19. I commend the work that you um, and your company are doing with telehealth to close the gap for people who need healthcare services, whether they have the virus or they have other medical needs because it's truly, truly needed, not only now, but it's ne needed in um, communities that are, aren't often served. So thank you for joining me. And everybody, I hope you have a great day and we will talk to you later. Thanks, Michelle.